And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. George Grant. Dr. Grant serves as pastor of Parish Presbyterian Church. He's also founder of New College Franklin, president of the Kings Meadow Study Center, and founder of Franklin Classical School. Dr. Grant, thank you so very much for taking your time from your busy schedule to share with our listeners today. Well, it is a great uh, privilege and honor, and uh, Merry Christmas. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Christmas is next week, uh, and uh, the topic we'd like to discuss today is regarding Christians who are in very unique circumstances around the world. Um, They're going through many times things that I'm certainly not going through, and maybe you can share what's on your heart today, Dr. Grant, with our listeners. Well, as we celebrate Christmas joyfully and with great freedom and uh, tremendous, tremendous material prosperity, uh, even for the the poorest of us here in the United States, we are incredibly blessed. But we have brothers and sisters around the world who are in dire circumstances. Uh, not only do we have many, many of our brothers and sisters who who suffer. Uh, deep uh, deprivation and and um, poverty, the likes of which we can't even begin to imagine here in the U.S. But uh, we we have uh, more than a million of our brothers and sisters are going to be celebrating this Christmas in refugee camps. Uh, persecution, according to Open Doors, in 2014 of of Christians around the world was more intense and uh, more brutal than at any other time in the history of the Church. Uh, this was with the advance of, of Islamic radicals in places like Nigeria and Somalia, as uh, well as the ISIS uh, terror rebels in places like Syria, which uh, once, at the beginning of the 20th century, people forget this, but at the beginning of the 20th century, Syria actually had a majority Christian population. Mm. Um, At the beginning of the 20th century, Egypt actually had 40% of their population uh, was Christian. Uh, Those populations have, have, uh, over the course of the last 120 years or so, been uh, virtually wiped out. And uh, now, with ISIS, we're seeing the scourge uh, dig even deeper scars. And so this Christmas, while we should, with great joy, gather around our Christmas trees and give thanks for all that we've been given, uh, it's, 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 I think, vital for the health of the Church here in the West to remember our brothers and sisters all around the world that are in dire, dire circumstances. Mm-hmm. Uh, the refugee camps outside of places like the Hook in uh, northern Iraq, which is in the territory controlled by the Kurdish people, uh, there there are nearly a million people uh, in 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 that in that uh, refugee camp alone. A lot of those are Yazidis, uh, but a majority of them are actually Christians, and um, and the, the world is hearing nothing about it. So the church sure better. Uh, be aware of it. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, 
I I do have a special interest in in this ISIS and in Iraq. Uh, some time ago, Doctor Grant, we talked with um, Canon White. Yes. Uh, who is a, a godly man over working over there? I think he's out of there right now temporarily, but he just carries on his heart um, these people, and I can't imagine a million people in a refugee camp. That's that's got to be just just the infrastructure and and the the daily needs must be tremendous. Uh, the infrastructure needs. Yeah, these are these are uh, people who obviously left behind everything they had, their homes, their jobs. Many of them are very, very gifted and skilled, uh, have had professional careers. We have doctors and lawyers and, um, you know, engineers and technicians from the oil fields, and now they're living uh, literally from hand-to-mouth in tents. And one of the things that we forget is that uh, the Zagros Mountains... Uh, that stretch from the far eastern edge of Turkey all the way over to Iran. They are um, they're, they're, they're very rugged, very mountainous, and as winter sets in, they are very, very cold. And so we have these uh, these folks living in uh, oftentimes you know cobbled together tent cities. And uh, now winter is setting in, and it's going to be a bitter, bitter winter. Mm. So the needs are incredibly great. But at the same time, and this is a great story of Christian history. As you know, Dan, um, when there are great tragedies, that becomes a great opportunity for the Church. And this is uh, no less the case. There are tremendous opportunities for ministry. It's an opportunity for the Church in the West to really grow in our understanding of the needs of the world. And it's, a, it's, it's an opportunity for us to really make a difference in uh, the lives of our brothers and sisters, and perhaps in the future of the, the Church in that region. And so I, I look at this crisis, and while my heart is broken... I'm, I'm also stirred uh, because it, it makes me realize, okay, we, um, we have a job to do that the Lord has given us, and this is now an opportunity for us to do that job. Yeah, that's great. The um, thing that's coming to my mind is the fact that when our hearts are changed and God implants in us a, a love for Him, and then we start wanting to obey His laws, then then we are to work hard uh, to work out our, our calling in this world. And I'm, I'm thinking that maybe you have something you'd like to share with us. What kind of work is going on that you're involved in uh, regarding some of these persecuted people? Well, thank you, Dan. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk about some of the things that I've been working with. Uh, more than a, a decade ago, I was involved with a, a team that helped to plant some classical Christian schools uh, in northern Iraq. We currently have three with about 1,500 students. Uh, Currently in Kurdistan, uh, which is the the northern province of of the old Saddam regime of Iraq, 
there are about 1,500 uh, students in these three schools who are receiving a Christian education, they're being discipled. Virtually all of them come from Muslim background um, homes, uh, and yet they're, they're being taught a Christian worldview, and many of them are coming to Christ in remarkable ways. It's a very, very difficult place for church planting, as you might imagine. The Muslim world is among the most difficult places in the world to plant churches, and yet uh, the Lord is giving us extraordinary opportunities. Now, with these refugee camps, um, just uh, outside three of the main cities, Sulaymaniyah, Erbil, and Dahuk, uh, we have... We we have these well-trained kids. Uh, we've had uh, five graduating classes, so kids who have gone all the way through and are <clears throat> some now graduated from college and have started their own businesses. They're now saying, okay, what, what do we do? Um, although the, there is a very, very little in the way of a, a structured, organized church, we now have disciples. Uh, we have brothers and sisters. Uh, in addition to that, many of these uh, who have fled came from Christian villages, and uh, even the Yazidis, who are not Christians, uh, but have an Old Testament background and a kind of a folk religion mix of, of Old Testament Judaism and uh, sort of popularized folk Islam, uh, are, they are very, very open to the gospel. Uh, which means that we can really reach these folks. So through missions organizations like Servant Group International and Samaritan's Purse, we're putting people on the ground who are who are able to uh, meet physical needs as well as uh, begin to gather together the Christians and do some serious discipleship. But in addition to that, and this is the part that's really pretty exciting to me, in addition to that, a number of refugees from the ISIS terror have made their way to the West. And uh, while we have a very large Kurdish uh, refugee repopulation uh, and relocation program in the U.S., we have uh, lots in the states of Michigan and Tennessee, um, the the place where more uh, refugees uh, from Syria and northern Iraq go than anywhere else is um, is to Scandinavia, and uh, so from from uh, Sweden and Norway, uh, Denmark, and then even over into the Netherlands, uh, we have just lots and lots of refugees. Well, as it turns out, many of these are Christian refugees. So I am working with some Dutch pastors to, to have an outreach uh, to these, uh, these refugees who are now out of harm's way, but are in the midst of all of the cultural confusion that comes for a displaced refugee. And we are starting a leadership development program that we hope will, within a year, actually be able to teach seminary-level courses uh, from Third Millennium Ministries to, uh, to train up the next generation of Kurdish church planters. It's a very, very exciting opportunity, and 
a, a powerful sort of turnabout for what looks like the most horrible crisis. It could turn out to be uh, just one of the most remarkable um, opportunities. Mm. It's quite stunning, actually, what the Lord is doing. Um, some time ago, there was an article in World Magazine, I believe, and uh, they may have been interviewing you. I think it was in the context of a Christian worker there being being shot as he was kneeling to pray to the Lord. Yes. And um, you were quoted as saying that, that the idea of a school in northern Iraq uh, using mainly Christian curriculum, got started in a Nashville bagel shop. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm just, um, I hope I, I'm not taking too big of a detour here, but I'm just impressed how that, just those small little steps every day in your life, as we go through, the Lord brings ideas to mind uh, as you're bathed in his word and prayer. Um, could we take that little subroutine, if it were, and just... Just talk to that for a minute. Maybe there's a listener there that says, "Ah, oh, I can't do anything." Yes. Well, you know, we um, we had a visitor from from northern Iraq come, and we were beginning to do some some exciting ministry things. I have this I have this uh, idea. It's not original with me, but I call it the missional wedge opportunity. And, and that is, you, you look around the world and you search for places and opportunities where there's a persecuted or isolated people, and usually it's in the moments when they feel most rejected by everyone around them that they will be uh, open to the gospel, and they're, they're ready to listen. It's why when a neighbor has a crisis, suddenly the, the neighbor that we've been praying for and trying to talk to for years and have met with only closed doors, suddenly in, in a moment of crisis, a child is sick, a friend has, uh, or family member has died. It, it's in that moment of crisis that suddenly we're able to talk to them, and they come to us and they want to hear from us. That's what I call the missional wedge. Well, we, we're sitting in this bagel shop talking about all of the trouble that we were having with our dental clinic, our radio station, our little Christian bookstore in the city of Suleimania, and uh, we were saying, okay, well, how, how can we win the hearts of these, uh, these Kurds who have been isolated by their fellow Muslims and are hated by Saddam and persecuted by him? How can we somehow reach them? And I just said, well, what if we were to start a school? It was, the room was suddenly silent, and everybody said, how on earth could we do that? <laughs> I said, I have no idea, but the one thing that I know is that if we were able to give an American high school diploma to hundreds of children in northern Iraq, that would be worth more than all of the oil in Saddam's oil field. Mm. And that, that idea is where it started. It was a simple idea. It had no legs to it. It was just a, a vision. And over the course of the years since, the Lord has really brought that to pass. But I have found, in, as, you, as you said, sometimes it's those little ideas, those little moments where a bit of inspiration comes and you realize, you know what? I, I don't have to sit here wringing my hands 
hoping against hope to be able to do something. There's always something that we can do, some step that we can take. Mm. And uh, there is a way to make a difference. Christ has given us a great commission. Uh, he's, He's given us the resources in His Word and by the power of the Spirit Sometimes we just have to be willing to listen and to, to work hard and to explore the possibilities and hit a few brick walls along the way. <laughs> but if we're open to his leading, there's always a way to do the next right thing. Mm. And uh, so that's that's really that's that's really all we're obligated to do. Mm. Just the next right thing. Earlier spoke about these great tragedies and how that oftentimes it does present an opportunity for the church, and it seems that you don't want to lose sight of of um, God spreading His kingdom because on our own strength uh, we're terribly tempted to just give up, throw our hands up in the air, and say there's nothing we can do, and it, it is a struggle to control our emotions, and it's so encouraging to me to hear about a school in northern Iraq, fifteen hundred students. And, and see the Lord working there, and these kids, uh, many of whom are, are exposed now to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, suppose there's a listener today, and, and they, they want to help in some way um, with, with this effort uh, that, that you've mentioned. You've got a couple of efforts here, as well as the Scandinavian effort. How would they go about helping? One of the easiest things that that can be done at this time of year is to give money and to pray for the the ministries that are engaged, like like Servant Group International and uh, and Samaritan's Purse, uh, both of which are doing just really remarkable work uh, all around the world, and um, Servant Group is largely. Uh, focused on the Middle East, Samaritan's Purse is is literally everywhere. Um, so that that you know, giving giving money is is obviously a good thing to do, especially at this time of year, uh, at, at the end of the year. Uh, folks can uh, can get to uh, Servant Group International and uh, look at their website. It's simply servantgroup.org. And uh, likewise, Samaritan's Purse, SamaritansPurse.org. And there's, uh, there's an opportunity there on the Servant Group website uh, to help with the, uh, the refugee crisis. I am um, about to uh, head off to uh, the Netherlands, where in uh, the far northern city of Kampen, a university town, I'm going to be uh, working to help set up this this seminary. And if people would like to specifically help with that seminary, I've created something called the Noon Fund. Uh, The Noon, the the letter Noon, N-U-U-N, is is the first letter of the Arabic word for Nasra, or Nazarene. Uh, since the beginning of the Islamic invasion of the Christian world in the 7th century, uh, this letter, noon, has been used by Muslims as a pejorative, uh, a mark of shame. 
um, today in Syria and Iraq, uh, this new generation of ISIS invaders use it to stigmatize and persecute the few remaining Christians there in the region, uh, in the same way that the Nazis used the Star of David to identify Jews for persecution and eventually extermination. These Muslim terrorists use noon for their uh, jihadi holocaust. So I've named the fund the Noon Fund, and uh, people can uh, can go to it simply. It's uh, crowdrise.com/slash/noonfund. N U U N F U N D, and they can help with our efforts in establishing uh, this uh, this seminary. Uh, which will be in the, the far northern uh, part of the Netherlands in the city of Kampen. Mm, that's beautiful. What we'll do is we'll include that uh, link, that URL link, up on the website when we post this as a podcast after it airs, uh, um, the first airing on here on Saturday. Um, well, I look at the clock here, and we realize we only got about four or five minutes left, Dr. Grant. I'm thinking also... This question kind of haunts me, and that is um, how to control our emotions. We we <laughs> we see um, people of the Muslim faith many times radicalized. Uh, they attack. They cut off heads. They do all this stuff, and it and it tends to make us say, "Oh, I I just I don't want anything to do with these people." Yeah. But the love of Christ constrains us. How is a Christian to deal with his or her emotions in light of the fact that these people are sworn enemies of, of often Christians and Jews? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm often uh, brought to uh, the place where I remember the story of Corrie Ten Boom uh, following her experience as a prisoner in uh, one of Nazi Germany's most uh, horrific uh, concentration camps, and she lost her whole family in that um, that horrific uh, episode. She was a Dutch Christian, uh, one of the disciples of Abraham Kuyper, who was hiding Jews, and um, her life was spent after the war bringing the good news of the gospel to the very people that uh, that that took away from her her childhood and her family mm. and, and that, uh, that it just reminds me that uh, that Christ calls on us to love our enemies yes they are our enemies yes they are doing horrific things in the world it's precisely why we've been given this great commission to go forth into the world with the glad tidings, the great joy, the good news that men and women can be set free from the shackles that hold them in bondage by the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's why Jesus uh, made it very plain in his uh, last and great commission to us that we are simply uh, to uh, acknowledge that all authority and power in heaven and on earth has been given to Christ, and uh, therefore we are to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that Christ has commanded us. Uh, For behold, he is with us always to the very end of the age. Mm. 
that is the great hope. It's why we celebrate Christmas. It is, um, it is the hope for the ends of the very earth. Mm. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you so much. Today I've been talking with Dr. George Grant, uh, pastor of Parish Presbyterian Church and president of the King's Meadow Study Center. We've been talking about Christians who are in very unique circumstances around the world, particularly those who are suffering intense persecution. And um, Dr. Grant, thank you so much for this interesting account of, of, of these Christians and, and things that we can do to help out. Thank you so much for joining us today. Amen. It has been my delight. Bless you. For Redeemer Broadcasting, I'm Dan Elmendorf. Quick reminder, please join us next week at the same time for another edition of A Plain Answer. <laughs> 